Morning, this is Under the Covers. I'm Lisa Lang, and we're going to look into some of the issues that are reported on Chinese media this week. Joining me now in the studio is Simon Lee, uh, who's from Next Media. Morning, Simon. Good morning. Well, we'll start off with some good news uh, uh, from the ATV, but is it good is news it? for the Hong yes. Kong audience? Now, after months of speculation, ATV finally announced on Thursday that um, uh, their White Knight is going to be this mainland um, media conglomerate, China Culture Media International Holdings, uh, who is going to buy like 42% of um, this um, major stake uh, shareholder, uh, Wang Ben Kun, and uh, they're going to have uh, a lot of ambitious plans for ATV, including um, establishing a 24-hour financial news channel, and then they're going to apply for uh, more ch- more channels, uh, but without a free-to-air TV license. Um, what exactly is the Shantung-based company aiming at? The Sorry. other day, I, I saw on the uh, their website, they announced there's O-T-T-O-T-O, like a chain of you know, alphabets, which um, I think should be translated to over-the-top, online to offline, which uh, means they, they are going to use the internet to do the delivery. And O-T-O means like they're trying to sell something on their platform. Mm. Basically, Ricky Wong's... Uh, Idea. It's doing the same thing, right? Yeah, trying to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. But my question is, um, let's forget about this OTO. That, that's the online to offline, the sales proposition part. The OTT, that's mm-hmm. the set-top box, what we normally call. Um, I, I, I don't know whether uh, this new company has any idea about uh, OTT. Mm-hmm. Um, the most famous OTT operator should be uh, Netflix in the States. Right. Now, which we all know has uh, announced that they're going to um, land into Hong Kong with uh, some programs that will be subtitled in Chinese even. So it, it looks like, you know, it's uh, everyone is like eyeing at Hong Kong, the Hong Kong market. But do you think it's a, it's a good move? For Netflix, it is uh, a relatively costless uh, move because they already have all these uh, movies and documentaries and TV shows in the system. Even translating these thing, these um, inventory into Chinese with the subtitles should be relatively easy. Uh, however, for this new company from Shandong, uh, the question I have is what they have in the inventory. Are they going to you know, produce a lot of TV shows or movies or are they going to buy it? Don't forget, a lot of the rights to these um, um, movies inventory has already been, um, you know, hoarded by other players like the LETV, the LED TV. LED TV, yeah. There's another operator, mm-hmm. and they will be coming to Hong Kong. So when this um, new investor in ATV says they're going to invest like 10 billion Hong Kong dollar. That's a lot of money. There's a lot of money. Uh I have no doubt that if you want to burn all this money, you can burn it in light and hop it. But the For question use. is, <laughs> is it the best use of the money? Mm-hmm. And um, how do these guys add up the numbers? I, I have no idea how they Now, a lot of Chinese it. papers are saying that, oh, of course, they're not eyeing on Hong Kong. They're using ATV as a kind of springboard to a wider international uh, TV market because now, of course, 
you know, admit it, you know, um, a lot of people are actually watching TV programs on, uh, you know, these OTTs and offline online TVs. So uh, it seems that, you know, they are trying to invest, uh, put that $10 billion onto competing, you know, for um, the TV content worldwide. Do you think so? Um, yeah, that could be a, a model, um, especially when they talked about they want to do a 24-hour financial channel. Let's look at CNBC or Bloomberg. Um, they have 24-hour um, financial news channel. Are they making a lot of money? Um, doesn't seem like the case. Uh, and I don't know whether they... You know the financial market really uh, go for the TV mm. as a way of having the information delivered, because nowadays we have all kinds of financial information made available mm. through different kinds of uh, media, and the most importantly, financial information should better be understood and read by non-human like computers, <laughs> right? Right. So Bloomberg. The bulk of the money actually made from the terminals, not the the TV. The TV is just like the you know, the sweetener. So it sounds like um, everyone is trying to, to take a bit of that pie. But do you think the pie is getting bigger? Because nowadays everyone is trying to make a lot of um, TV content and trying to get more advertising revenue, uh, right, which is uh, the main source of income for these um, companies uh, rather than subscription, right? So so do you think um, the, the pie is getting bigger? That's why there's a lot of people, you know, jumping in the, onto the boat? There, there are definitely more competitions in the platform part of the game like everyone's trying to build a platform but uh, if we look at the the international market um, the one who are really making the most of the monies are like Time Warner or Disney uh-huh. they create the content actually not only the content they create a whole universe think about Star Wars think about Definitely. the Marvel universe and all the accessories and all the accessories they don't make money by you know putting the advertising just beside their, their shows they they actually sell their own merchandise. They they sell toys. They sell computer games. That's how you make money with the content in the Chinese world. So far, I don't see anyone has that kind of like plan. Mm-hmm. But it sounds like this uh, Shantung-based uh, China Culture Media International Holdings is having that sort of enterprise plan, right? To to make things more connected, to make one thing you know sell to the other. Um, this is the kind of model that people are looking at, right? I, I would love to see someone who create a, 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 a kind of c- cultural universe with Chinese characteristic, right? <laughs> but, but the problem is in the past century, perhaps the only person who really write that kind of fictions would be the, the martial art fictions. Um, uh, um, in back in the 50s or 60s, and since then, I, I didn't really see a lot of uh, creation, like creative creations that really come out from, from the Chinese language mm-hmm. universe, no. So it seems that you think that there's a lot of room, you know, to explore what this Chinese characteristics in terms of TV content production. Yes, uh, but at the end of the day, are we, are we going to allow that kind of creative freedom uh, in China, uh, don't forget that just a few months ago, that famous historical TV drama mm. has to be post-edited just 
you know, to block <laughs> off, you know, the, the, the more, history. more more revealing part of, you know, uh-huh. the female body. So I don't know. <laughs> I, I really don't know if that there's enough creative freedom that we, we have in, in the, you know, China. Well, uh, this uh, Shantung-based company is also um, vowing that, you know, this is not... Um, that does not mean the in further intrusion of red capital in 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 Hong Kong and um, ATV has also pledged that uh, uh, this is we're not going to uh, we we're going to um, and maintain editorial independence in terms of news production. But then on the other hand, they're also saying that oh we're going to um, produce programs with positive messages and programs that would. Um, um, Kind of glorify uh, the goodness and the uh, uh, features and strengths of China. So, are they sort of uh, slapping their face uh, themselves, or do you think this is uh, um, going to mean more censorship in terms of, you know, Hong Kong's uh, creative TV production? Well, as long as there are other people who are doing their own creations, I don't care if ATV goes a certain direction. Anyhow, we can access to these you know, nationalistic, patriotic propaganda on the internet easily. Um, what I think would be the most important thing is for the government it has to stay um, what we call neutral in terms of uh, the technology and, you know, the platform. So everyone can have equal freedom to do their own platform. Then I think um, it's okay for Hong Kong. Mm. It's certainly going to be uh, quite okay for Hong Kong audience, I suppose. You know, with all these uh, competition going in, coming in, uh, even like Netflix, you know, whose uh, flagship program, as we know, is uh, House of Cards. Yeah. Um, we would love you know to have more uh, competition, but what does it mean to like these new contenders like Hong Kong TV uh, or Now TV? You know, who have just entered into you know doing their own TV dramas and TV programs. What does it mean to them? Um, I think they they have a, they they are in a kind of disadvantaged position because um, for Hong Kong TV. They could have uh, procured all these movies from overseas and put in their inventory and, you know, uh, sell it or actually, you know, just, you know, deliver to their subscribers on a, on a fixed cost basis. But now, because Netflix is coming in, so mm. all these uh, rights to the to the movies would be going to Netflix, not other players. Mm. Usually they have this exclusive arrangement. Um, the only player that I think has an advantage would be TVB because they had a huge collection of uh, TV dramas mm. way back to the 70s. Um, there's quite a lot of uh, movies and TV shows that they can they can use. Uh, other players, they need to find some interesting things to show. Uh, most likely, they will produce it now. But... I doubt if uh, they can um, drastically increase the inventory. It is it is a long tail game. Mm. Let's put it this way: some people they prefer to watch a certain kind of old movies and stuff like that. And usually, those are the things that get people to subscribe to paid uh, service. Mm. Well, it seems like uh, uh, TDB would have to um, uh, cast its eyes more on uh, grabbing more. Uh, audience from Hong Kong and also, of course, in terms of mainland China. Now, somewhat connected to that is actually um, 
uh, a revival of these um, anti-parallel trading uh, protests uh, that happened earlier in the week uh, in Shangshui. And, of course, a lot of the... Uh, pro-establishment newspapers all plunged in, like uh, Wenwei Pao and Taekwong Pao, accusing all these protesters for uh, um, tarnishing uh, the image of Hong Kong uh, for the mainland Chinese tourism. It's going to further dampen uh, Hong Kong's tourism. And, of course, quoting uh, from C.Y. Leung, uh, who uh, condemned these uh, protesters, and some other newspapers uh, also move, uh, jumped into uh, to call these uh, people like cancerous cells, and virus that's going to fragment further the democracy movement in Hong Kong. So um, do you see that uh, there's um, these are uh, the people are to be held uh, solely responsible for the uh, drop in Hong Kong's retail figures recently? Um, if you look at Macau, where you don't find any of these protesters, um, they're their revenue to the casinos dropped even further. Right. So uh, from you know, as an economist, I would say it has nothing to do with the protests, but it's more to do with the slowing of the Chinese economy. Do you, uh, so the, you think it's a so, natural kind of decrease? Yes. Uh, you cannot expect something to keep on growing for 10 years. Uh, there must be a... There must be a, a a time where these trends reverse. The 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 thing is, um, is not only the protesters are coming out. Um, if you look at earlier uh, this week, um, the let the the Liberal Party representative for the retail sector, he says, "Hey, let's lift the ban on milk powder mm. um, export because at the end of the day." Um, it is it is a really bad situation for the retail sectors. Uh, pharmacies are closing down, and things like that. And it started, I think, three months ago. Mm. Uh, so, I, I think it is it is natural. But um, I won't blame the protesters. Um, and actually, uh, they shouldn't claim victories as well because, at the end of the day, they accomplish nothing. That's how I see it. <laughs> right. Uh, well, uh, but of course, with this rise in the sense of localism in Hong Kong, um, they feel that they need to have a gesture and you know remind people that the threat is still around. And uh, the meanwhile, the situation in Shangsha is not improving. And that's what I think. You know, it's the, it's a problem because um, the government seems to be uh, diverting people's attention. You know. Um, and calling the protesters the main um, culprits for the drop in Hong Kong's retail figures without really addressing uh, the problems and the implications uh, of uh, the soar in tourism onto Hong Kong's traffic and, uh, and of course, the livelihood of people, say, for example, in uh, northern parts of the New Territories. And um, I realise in the, in the Chinese uh, side of the debate, um, there, are, there are quite a number of people raised a raised the issue that we shouldn't just look at the quantity, like the numbers of tourists, but the quality of Hong Kong's tourism industry. Uh, they, they cite examples from Japan and uh, other European countries, mm. saying, hey, they don't, they don't really solely focus on shopping as the, the, the tourist proposition. Mm. Tourists come here, don't, 
they do something else, right? But in Hong Kong, what can they do other than the two theme parks and the peak, maybe? And they nothing to see and nothing to do. Um, I think they 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 have a point, but at the end of the day, for Hong Kong people to go elsewhere mm. as a tourist, we want to see the nature. We want to see um, you know train station with a lot of cats and some flight something like that. <laughs> but for for people from all over the world, they come to Hong Kong. What they see is a lot of buildings. Well, but at the end of the day, I Noisy think that's quite, a, quite, <laughs> quite 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 an interesting mm. um, uh, contrast, right? Um, I don't know why people go to uh, New York City, the Manhattan. They, are, um, they don't go there to shop. No, they go there to uh, and you know. To 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 see um, the musicals, they go there for the museums and things like that. Uh, do we have that kind of cultural infrastructure here in Hong Kong? I I really hope uh, uh, they you know not only the the government but also people can discover these opportunities. It certainly uh, reflects the short-sightedness of um, how you know our imagination of tourism, isn't it? Like you know, everything is about shopping in Hong Kong. Everything is about you know uh, tourists uh, uh, boosting Hong Kong's economy, because you know um, the fact that they they could lay direct blame, you know, uh, of the protesters onto the drop uh, drop in the retail sales goes to show how. Narrow, you know, their vision have been right just to um, to basically rely on mainland Chinese tourists as uh, the upholder of Hong Kong's economy, almost. And it is so ironic that in the past few years we have been uh, promoting Hong Kong as a shopping destination again and again. Uh, my, I'm I, I'm a foodie. I love eating. Um, <laughs> I would say Hong Kong has one of the world's best. Food culture and is so diverse, and the food here are actually pretty good mm. uh, by mm-hmm. world standard. Yeah, I don't know why we have not been doing um, the promotion along that side. And in fact, uh, a lot of people in the restaurant industry complains that you know this tourism thing has not been really helpful to them. Mm. It makes rent more expensive, and uh, they have to move. To uh, you know, uh, commercial buildings and it's so difficult to find. Uh, but these are, I think, culturally essential to Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Meanwhile, I think we we are glad to see that uh, the rents for the shop space could could possibly go down, and uh, hopefully, you know, uh, to welcome back some local shops or more diversity of shops. Because uh, uh, at the peak of this kind of tourism, um, every other shops have been replaced by pharmacies and, <laughs> and jewelry shops. Yes. And now it's uh, actually a little bit refreshing to see that um, the pharmacies are actually being more creative. Uh, you can see cakes being sold in pharmacies and cookies. And uh, they while they're trying to uh, attract more um, uh, passengers and uh, um, uh, you know, uh, pedestrians uh, to get back into their pharmacies. So I think you know it's uh, it's actually quite a welcoming sign in a sense. The the the, the ecosystem is definitely shifting um, back to a more normal um, situation. Um, 
it was not because of Hong Kong's uh, um, uh, landlords or, or the, the the shop owners. I think it's really because of the China is such a massive economy that we are situated right next to it. Mm. So whatever whatever happened there must have an effect on Hong Kong. Mm. Yeah. Meanwhile, uh, I think we do really need to diversify our our. Uh, Tourists uh, and um, attractions, and not just relying on uh, shops or even theme parks like Disneyland, who's um, actually reported to have uh, their um, income less than you know less than what we have expected or hoped for. Um, uh, even Disneyland is 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 um, kind of suffering a bit, and they're trying to think of uh, better measures and uh, developing newer games uh, to uh, substantiate the uh, theme park attractions. So uh, especially because uh, of the uh, um, uh, possible impact of the uh, starting up of the Shanghai Disney theme park, I think it's really about time that we diversify our tourism policies, including really think about what Hong Kong has got to offer to a worldwide tourist. At the end of the day, uh, this is uh, the, the, the only business proposition. We have to sell something that we ourselves enjoy in order to sell it to other people. Mm. So you cannot just create something to sell to tourists. You have the, the, the business proposition has to be sold to everybody, including Hong Kong people. Still on the international side of things, uh, last week we have been uh, talking about this too, uh, didn't we, Simon, uh, about the refugee situation worldwide, including this um, shocking photo of a Syrian a boy who was found drowned on a on a Turkish beach. Now, uh, this news took a slightly uh, surprising turn, should we say, because uh, um, early in the week we also uh, read from uh, newspapers that there was one Syrian who actually made his way to Hong Kong and tried to apply for a non-refoulement um, claim, uh, meaning to apply for asylum, you know, in Hong Kong, and immediately a lot of uh, the newspapers jumped in to say, "Oh, um, we can't do this. You know, this is this is um, actually uh, uh, revealing a kind of a loophole in Hong Kong's um, refugee reception policy. And let's uh, try to see how we can stop this. Yeah, almost like you know, jumping into this panic uh, that oh, a lot of the Syrian refugees could make their way to Hong Kong. Do you think so? Uh, I'm all <laughs> for the touch base policy um, as a former." Uh, director of the Lion Rock Institute. Uh-huh. Let's let's put it this way: If uh, we were established in the eighties, I think we would just uh, advocate for uh, you know giving uh, equal rights to all Vietnamese boat people. Mm. Let them stay. History would be so different now, and 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 people might might look at it differently. I think a lot of these refugees. I, I'm not. Um, I'm not saying we we have to do it on a humanitarian uh, reason. Solely, I'm solely. It, it has practical. It has uh, mm. it has a uh, uh, calculated uh, reason why we should open up Hong Kong's border. At the end of the day, our population growth slowed after '97. Mm. And secondly, um, I think one of the most important reason why we are so hesitant in giving people's right to live here, work here, is because Hong Kong's welfare has been too generous and we have this entitlement mentality. We don't want people to take away from us the pie. Sorry. 
there's no entitlement. And at the end of the day, you are taking away something from somebody. Let's stop that and open border and make Hong Kong free again. Mm. Uh, we Simon, we both uh, gone, have gone through the stage where um, the Vietnamese boat people issue has been, you know, a thing in Hong Kong, and uh, um, uh, we had all still these images, mental images of these refugee camps uh, where. Vietnamese boat people, you know, lived in. It's uh, a disgrace. It was a disgrace. Yes, and uh, the whole closure of the whole policy was also quite a disgrace because came the handover. Uh, obviously, the Chinese government do not want to deal with, you know, Vietnamese boat people issue anymore. Some of the uh, boat people who left behind, in the end, they actually got issued a Hong Kong ID card. But this whole uh, saga has just, you know, disappeared from the radar as if nothing happened. Now, of course, this is about um, uh, humanitarian uh, values, uh, giving people's rights to stay. And let's not uh, forget that uh, here in Hong Kong, we we are still living with uh, the refugee issue, which people uh, papers do not want to talk about. And um, interestingly, the Chinese media actually didn't really talk about uh, the refugee issues uh, as if it never happened and is not here at all, uh, <laughs> which is not true. Uh, if you go to the, um, uh, the Jardin House and right next to the Jardin House, there's a footbridge, right, in Central. Um, you will find uh, a group of uh, refugees um, protesting there, like every day. They were, there was a time when they actually set up tents to protest against the refugee, the uh, um, deploring situation of uh, how some refugees uh, are living uh, in some of the clusters in, uh, like, the north uh, of New Territories. Um, they do. They get a very meager kind of subsidy here in Hong Kong, uh, and they basically cannot work. And I, I think the, if we allow them to be a part of Hong Kong society, well, Hong Kong society used to be very diverse and a mosaic of different cultures. Unfortunately, um, I think in the past 20 years, we've been uh, more introspective, just look at ourselves without any regards of uh, the things going on elsewhere. Mm. And uh, I think this is not going to be... Uh, a very healthy trend for Hong Kong as an international city, if we claim to be one. Mm. Well, talking about rights about people, uh, this week we also suddenly heard that uh, it's been uh, rumored that um, the EOC, the current EOC chairman, Dr. Yok Chow, might not be renewed of his appointment because uh, the papers reported that uh, the government, uh, government ad has been out to, promote, uh, to um, advertise for the um, vacancy. Uh, of uh, EOC chairman, which implies that uh, Dr. Chow might not be renewed of his own appointment. That's strange. <laughs> I, I mean, like in Hong Kong, usually you have automatically renew at least for a few terms. Yeah. Uh, but I think the government can always say, hey, we are doing this just to be fair. Uh, I think the, f the most uh, open and transparent way of doing this would be Let's democratize all these you know, independent bodies. Let people vote who these the, the, the boards and the, the, and the leadership of these uh, statutory bodies are. Just let people choose. Um, that's the case in, in other countries. Mm -hmm. People are doing that. School boards and 
even you know the police board and things like that. You just allow people, you know, one man one vote to vote for the EOC chair. Um, mm. I would love to vote for the MPFA, uh, the <laughs> SFCs. Uh, I I might even run for that. Ah, I, well, I, I, we would I, look I, forward to it. Yes. <laughs> But um, of course, there's been a lot of speculations about, you know, the reason why Dr. Chow hasn't been, you know, uh, asked to to for an, uh, uh, another term, uh, with papers reporting that uh, societies for the true truth and light have uh, been accusing uh, Dr. Chow for his openly verbal uh, support for gay rights and the gay rights groups. Uh, do you think that is a possible reason for that? Um. I don't know, but um, the question we have to ask is how some people have more power and sway in the government than other people. Right. That's the ultimate problem. Well, we just have to see how this uh, develops itself. Well, that's all the time we have for this week. And thank you, Simon, for joining the show. This is also the last episode of Under the Covers for the time being. Hopefully, we'll be able to um, talk to you and meet with you again in a, sometime in the near future. Now, so there will be a, a new program same time next week. But from me and the team here, all the best and keep watch of events under the covers. <laughs>